Hi, this is Pastor Rob Stone from Duns Creek Baptist Church. We want to thank you so much for listening to our weekly audio sermons podcast. Duns Creek Baptist Church is a community alive by grace and known by love. We long to be a force for good here in Putnam County, Florida. You can learn more about us on the web by visiting dunscreekbaptist.org or visit us any Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. for worship. Now please enjoy the message. Happy Easter! We're so glad that you're here. So glad that you chose to spend Easter morning with us. And so today on this most holy and precious occasion, I want to dive right in by just saying welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being in church this morning. Those of you who are watching online, we're so glad that you're tuning in this morning. We just want to say today is an incredibly special day for us. It's a chance that we have to come together as the people of God and remember why it is that we have been redeemed. And one of the things that I think we can get so lost in or so wrapped up in is the simple fact that for for many of us in the room, this may be one of the few times a year that you come to church, and we're glad that you're here. For those of you watching online, this may be one of the few times a year that you have any interest and what's going on. And the reason for that, I, I don't believe, is out of some sort of obligation. I think it's easy for us to go, well, hey, I'm, I need to be in church on Easter and, and feel some sense of obligation. But I think it's something different than that. I think that Easter gives us the opportunity to hear one simple, compelling, dynamic message. And I believe it is the only message the church has ever had, and it's the only thing that we really have to say. Because it's easy, I think, in our world for the church or for Christianity to look like something or to look like a bunch of things. For Christianity to look like a set of morality or for Christianity to look like a people who believe this or believe that. But the reality is Christianity is a religion, and our hope today is not in a religion. Your hope today is not in Christianity. Your hope today, and my hope today, and the only hope we will ever have is in a person and an event. Our hope today is in the person of Jesus Christ in the event of his resurrection. And so today we declare the only message the church has ever had, that Jesus is alive. That's it. That's all we've got, that Jesus is alive. And so I want to look at four people today. I want to look at four accounts. I want to look at four stories told through four individuals. And so I want to start today by looking at a guy named Matthew. Now, Matthew was an outcast in society. Matthew, in the first century of Jerusalem, he was a tax collector for the Roman government, which meant he was a traitor to his own people. He was outcast, and not only was he outcast, but because of what he did, he was not allowed in the Jewish temple. And so in his understanding, he was disqualified from the love of God. He was disqualified from relationship with God. And maybe you're here today and you've done something. 
Maybe you're here today and you've got a past. Maybe you're here today and there's something that's happened in your life and people have told you that because of what happened, because of what you did, you are permanently cut off from God. Maybe you're watching online and the reason you're watching online today instead of being with us in a service is because you've been made to feel like if you walk into church, the lightning bolts are going to strike. And I just want to let you know, you got a lot in common with Matthew. You got a lot in common with the same Matthew who, when he encountered Jesus for the first time, Jesus didn't say, I can't stand you. Jesus didn't look down at him and say, you are evil and I hate evil people. No. Jesus looked at this person who was so disqualified, this person who was so far out. And Jesus looks at him and goes, come on, follow me. And when Matthew gets up from his tax booth to follow Jesus, he follows Jesus back to Matthew's house where Matthew has invited all of his friends together. And when you're a tax collector, when you're a sinner, when you're someone who's disqualified and marginalized, your friends are other people who are disqualified and marginalized. And Jesus is going, that's who I want to be with. That's who I want to hang out with. I want to hang out with the people who have been told that God doesn't love them because Jesus is the embodiment of God. And he's saying, I am here for you. Matthew ends up becoming one of the disciples of Jesus, and he ends up writing one of our books of the Bible, and in the books of the Bible, Matthew is just giving his account of what happened. He's telling you what he saw with his own eyes, and this is what we see in Matthew's gospel. Now, after the Sabbath toward dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and the clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. He is not here. He has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold... He is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Matthew's recording what happened that Sunday morning. And here's what I want to let you know. On that very first Easter Sunday morning, the closest followers of Jesus, the the closest disciples of Jesus, none of them thought he was going to be alive. After... Friday, after his lifeless body had been taken down from the cross and placed in the tomb, none of the disciples thought there was anything more to the story. No one who followed him believed there was anything more to come. They believed the story was over. 
And so some of the women who were part of the disciples, they went to the body just to tend to the body, to prepare the body for permanent burial. And as they went to go prepare the body, they found an empty tomb. And what does the angel invite them to do? The angel invites them to see. I want you to track with me here because the angel does not invite them to believe. The angel does not invite them to have faith. The angel invites them to see, to witness, to take it in that the tomb is empty. And they should go and tell the others. Mark had a very close friend. Mark had a very close friend, a guy named Peter. And Peter was one of the disciples. In fact, Peter was one of the three who was part of the inner circle of disciples. And so Peter was not very educated. We discover that in the book of Acts as he's being questioned. What they immediately know about Peter is this guy probably couldn't read or write. So Mark, an educated friend of Peter, says, I can read and write. I want you to tell me everything you saw, and I'm going to write it down. And that's what we have as the gospel of Mark in your Bibles. It's, it's Mark is the educated friend of Peter, and he's writing down everything Peter experienced, everything Peter saw, everything Peter witnessed. And this is what we read in Mark. The angel says to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. The angel says, see Look, witness, experience, encounter. The angel doesn't tell the disciples to believe. The angel doesn't tell the disciples to have faith. The angel tells the disciples to see it with their own eyes. And then he says, you let the disciples know Jesus is headed to Galilee, and there you will see him. There was a young follower of Jesus, a man who was well-educated in the Roman Empire and Roman government, and he was well thought of. And so one of the things that began to happen is as this Jesus message spread throughout the early Roman world, as people began to hear that this Jesus was indeed risen from the dead, that this Jesus was alive, a wealthy man named Theophilus reached out to this young, educated man named Luke. And Theophilus goes to Luke and he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay you to be an investigator. I'm going to pay you to do a deep dive. I want you to interview every eyewitness you can find. And I want you to put together the honest truth. Tell us, based on the testimony of eyewitnesses, what happened with this Jesus? That's the gospel of Luke. Luke is the investigation into everything that happened with this Jesus. And this is what we read in Luke. 
When they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. It goes on. Remember how. He told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day. On the third day and rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb. They told all these things to the 11 disciples and to all of the rest, all of the followers of Jesus. They're letting them know he wasn't there. The tomb was empty. We saw the empty tomb. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and the other women with them. Now I want you to notice what happens here. In all of these accounts, the first people to see, the first witnesses of a resurrected Jesus, the first witnesses that the tomb was empty were all women. And in the first century, the word of women didn't hold a lot of weight. So when these women rush to go tell the other disciples, what do you think their response is going to be? Do you think these men are going to go, yeah, the women's solid. It must be true. I'd love to tell you that in 2,000 years, men, that we've gotten a lot smarter. But here's a general rule. Let's believe women. Just throwing that out there. Men, let's believe women. Because women were the first ones to deliver the message of a risen Jesus. But that's not how the disciples took it. The eyewitness accounts tell us that these words seemed to them an idle tale. The disciples have heard an empty tomb. The disciples have heard that the angel was there saying he is risen. And when they hear that from a bunch of women, these men are going, yeah, I don't really believe that. That's wishful, but come on. Come on, ladies. But Peter, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb. And looking in, he saw, he witnessed it, he experienced it. He saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home. Why? Because he believed? He went home because he had faith? No, he went home because he saw. And because of what he saw, he went home marveling at what happened. Later on in the same chapter in Luke's account, this is what we read. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened. Why? Why? Because when someone dies, 
We don't expect the person who dies to rise from the grave. So when every single one of the disciples, the closest followers of Jesus, when they are now seeing the risen Jesus, their first thought is not, he has risen from the grave. Their first thought is, that is a ghost. They were startled and frightened because they saw a spirit. They thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do you, why did doubts arise in your hearts? And this is what he invites them to do. They doubt, they don't believe, they don't have faith. So what does he invite them to do? He invites them to see, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself touch, don't just look, touch, Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And it's not just that Jesus is hungry. Jesus wants to make it abundantly clear. I'm not a ghost. This isn't something you're imagining. And so they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate before them. Ghosts don't eat or have physical form. What is Jesus doing? Jesus is inviting them not to believe, not to have faith. Jesus is inviting them to see and touch witness in here. He's inviting them not to take this giant leap of faith. He's expecting them to see and experience what is right before them. And then he said to them, after they had seen, after they had touched, after they had witnessed, this is what he invites them to do. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Now look what he says to the disciples. You are witnesses of these things. It's easy, I think, for us, for us to confuse what it means to believe. I think it's easy for us in the church and in Christianity for us to confuse these ideas, but this is the reality Jesus didn't invite the disciples to believe. He didn't invite the disciples to have faith. He invited the disciples to be witnesses, to simply declare what they saw and what they touched and what they experienced. When Jesus began his ministry in the Galilee region, a number of disciples began to follow him. Among them, the youngest of the disciples was the younger brother of a guy named James. So James and John were brothers. And 
John is the youngest brother of the disciples. Most historians believe that John is the youngest of all the disciples. Historians estimate that he's about 14 years old when he begins to follow Jesus. Like one of the teenagers in our youth group. And in those formative years of his life as a teenager, he witnesses the miracles of Jesus. He sees with his own eyes what, has, what, what all has happened. His name is John. And John writes the fourth of our gospel accounts. And John records the exact same thing that Matthew did and Mark did and Luke did. But John goes a step further. You see at the end of recording all of this resurrection story, John tells us why he has recorded it. John does something that Matthew and Mark and Luke don't do. John tells us why he is telling us what he saw and what he heard and what he touched and what he encountered and what he experienced. See, John tells us why he writes all this down. And this is what we read in John chapter 20. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these, but this, this story of what I saw, this story of what I witnessed, this story of the Jesus I put my hands on, this Jesus that I ate with, this Jesus that I encountered and I talked with, this Jesus who I saw die on a Roman cross and who three days later I ate with in Galilee. I tell you what I saw, what I witnessed, what I experienced, I have written this that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John is telling us, John is telling us the one simple, compelling, dynamic message the church has ever had. And I just want you to know, I want to apologize to you on behalf of the church. I want to apologize to you on, on behalf of followers of Jesus everywhere. Because if you're anything like me, you've heard a lot of other messages from the church. You've heard a lot of other messages from Christians. You've heard a lot of other messages from the people of God. And so let me get rid of all the noise and all the mess and all the things that are superfluous to this message. The truth is, there is just one message we have as the church. There's only one message we have as the followers of Jesus. And if you've heard anything else from the church, I apologize because there is only one message we have to declare. And it's the message that Matthew declared and it's the message that Mark declared and it's the message that Luke, after conducting a thorough investigation and in interviewing every eyewitness declared and it's the message that John declared because when he was just 16 or 17 years old, 
the one who he had been following for the last three years, died on a Roman cross. And three days later, he had breakfast with the one who had died. The only message the church has ever had, the only message that we ever have to declare is this. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. We don't have anything else but that. You see, the disciples didn't believe. Disciples, the disciples did not believe. The disciples didn't have faith. The disciples saw. It wasn't something for them of going, here's where my faith is. Here's where my belief is. Here's the leap I'm willing to take. No, for them, they saw, they touched, they heard, they experienced, they encountered, they witnessed. And so the disciples, they don't tell us what they believe. They tell us what they witnessed. And the reason they tell us the reason they tell us what they saw and encountered and experienced, they tell us that we might believe. And so today, I'm not asking you to put your faith in anything more than this one truth. Because it's the only truth we have as followers of Jesus. The only thing I'm asking you to believe today is that this Jesus who died rose again. And if you're willing to believe, if you're willing to believe in that one truth, I believe it will change your whole life. In fact, I believe it will lead you to experience life for the very first time. Because the disciples, they don't tell us what they believed. They're telling us what they witnessed that we might believe. That you and I might believe it enough to experience. That we might believe it enough to see that we might believe it enough to hear, to encounter, and to witness. The disciples tell us what they saw because they knew that the risen Jesus changed everything. And if we'll believe enough in this resurrected Jesus, then we won't have to simply settle for belief. In fact, the disciples tell us what they witnessed. They tell us what they saw. They tell us what they encountered so that we might believe and that we might believe until it's no longer just belief. That we might believe until we become carriers of the only message the church has ever had. That Jesus is alive. And you can.